I have some good news. I actually, so to get, just to dive right into it this morning, I actually got my, uh, a letter from the prefecture to police, which was initially a little bit, it's always a little bit uh, disconcerting to get a letter from the police, <laughs> but it did say, I mean, I knew what it was going to be, more or less, the Delegation à l'Immigration Pôle de l'Accès à la Nationalité is what that says. If you can't read that on your screen, um, Obviously, the letter's not in here. It's got uh, sensitive information on it, so I don't want to show you the actual document. But the good news is, I, for, I, so I forgot to tell you when I was uh, talking with Matt last time that I had actually gotten my dossier in. I don't think I actually said that. I got my dossier complete. I got it turned in before we went to Finland, um, either at the end of January, the beginning. Of, I think it was the beginning of February. Um. I don't remember exactly when. I could probably look it up. But I, 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 my initial goal, my original goal was to get it in uh, in January. That was what I set out to do. I came very close but had a couple of hiccups. I would have gotten it in except I realized at the last minute when I was putting the dossier together, I did a, a, like my triple check to go through. And I was like, I wonder if my landlady's passport is – I've had the, a copy of this passport for a long time. When, like when did it expire? And I went and I looked. It expired in 2021. So I had to reach out to her, get another copy. She mailed it to me. <laughs> so I had to respond and be like, "Can you actually scan that and send that to me?" So it took a couple of days, um, and thankfully she was very, actually, very quick to get that to me. Very kind of her, and um, got that off to me, and got everything turned in. And then we got into this waiting period where I, I've obviously spoiled this for you now, but we got into this waiting period where. You basically, to my understanding, um, and because everything's a mystery with French bureaucracy, that's its great, greatest strength is that you never actually know what's going on, but the you are waiting to find out if they are going to accept or reject your dossier. And the rejection comes in the form of like, they actually send it back to you. You have to include a self-addressed stamped envelope that can fit the whole dossier with your dossier they will reject it for not having that in it. I've heard stories of that, which I don't know what they do at that point, uh, but they will reject it just because you didn't have that in it, didn't follow the letter of their request, um, and so, or didn't follow their request to the letter. Cooper's very interested in either me or the mic. I think it's me <laughs> or the microphone. If you're watching this on video, you can see Cooper licking the microphone. My apologies to those at home who just heard puppy tongue. Um, yeah, and you just got to wait. So what I've heard is that usually they're really quick to reject it and a little bit slower to accept it. So within about two weeks, you should know if they're going to reject it. Um, and that two-week mark came and went last week. And then I was just kind of like, all right, no news is good news. I wasn't really worried about it. I was like, all right, we'll just see where this lands. Like, I'm not sure how it's going to play out, but I am not that stressed about it. And then today came home from taking Cooper for a walk, saw a letter from the police waiting for me. And uh, assumed it was probably good, but definitely had a little bit of a, oh, well, here we go. So I sent a, a, couple, a photo of it to a couple of friends before I opened it. And then I opened it, and it was, a, it was a, an attestation de dépôt de dossier, I believe is what it was, which is a way of saying that they are, it's, it's my official letter to prove that they have accepted my dossier. They don't even use the word accepted, of course. They just, you have deposed, you have left this with us. We, here's the proof that we have it. Because, um, of course, they're not going to say we've accepted it because that would be too 
uh, hopeful or positive. Um, they got to leave you in suspense, but I do, I take that as like, there are no big questions. They're not asking for any more documents. It doesn't mean that I've passed past that. That will come on the day of my, uh, interview, I believe, but now I have to wait for my interview. So I don't know what all the processing is behind the scenes. I don't know how much they dive into. I don't know what that looks like. I think that's a mystery as well. But theoretically, in about six months from now, seven to six months from sending it in, should have an interview. And since they're probably closed in August, I would guess that that means that I'm going to end up having my interview in September, hopefully. And then there's a light chance that I should have my citizenship maybe by the end of the year, if not at the beginning of next year. So the ball is rolling. So the, the path to citizenship, the road to citizenship is open before me. No big road bumps so far. And uh, yeah, I've crossed some major hurdles. Not all the major hurdles. I still have to go through the actual interview, which I've heard more stories since you heard. So if you haven't listened to the episode with Emily or the episode with Matt, um, they both talked about their respective interviews and how they were, they, they, they were decently intense, like up to about 30 minutes. But I just met somebody recently who she said that her interview was four questions and the woman wasn't even paying attention to her answers. Basically, she was just like, when was the Republic founded? Who founded the, or when was the French Revolution? Who founded the Fifth Republic? And a couple of other questions that she like basically didn't even let her finish answering. She just heard the word she needed to hear and then moved on. And um, her interview lasted all of like 15 minutes, including like sorting through and making sure everything was properly in her dossier. So there's always a chance like that it could either be really straightforward and easy like that, or it could be a little bit more difficult. And they, I've heard from everybody recently that they do ask like a more politically charged question and they want to see that you have an answer that res resonates with the values of the French Republic, but they also won't accept like a flat academic answer. Like they actually want you to pick a side of some sort. So it'll be interesting to see how that goes. Of course, the woman who I just mentioned didn't have to pick a side or anything. She just said, yeah, like she gave the flat answer and the woman moved on. So it just kind of depends on who you're getting on the day. But that's, uh, maybe that's all bureaucracy, but that definitely is the hallmark of French bureaucracy is that it, it, it all depends on who you're sitting across the table from. Like if they have the rubber stamp of approval or doom, um, they have all the power in the world and the buck stops with them. So if they're having a good day, they might just wave you through. If they're having a bad day, they might make your life hell uh, just because their life feels like hell that day. So um, that's just how it's always gone. But I think it's interesting because maybe I've been here long enough and I know enough people that have gone through this process. And... Um, Oh, I remember who it was that was telling me that. Okay, no, somebody that I knew already. So it's funny. Sometimes you're like, I think I, I met somebody recently who has her citizenship and she told me her story. And then somebody I already know told me her story. And I mixed those stories. You get the idea though. Um, yeah, I think I've been here long enough that none of this really stresses me out anymore. And um, I did get my paper dossier like that I spent months putting together. I, I got that in literally days before they finally opened the electronic version to Paris They've been testing uh, the electronic, like the online application process with a bunch of other departments, but Paris didn't have access to it yet. You still had to uh, do everything in paper. And they opened that to the to Paris like a couple days after I submitted my dossier. So thankfully I submitted it. Thankfully they accepted it because the rumor was that if they denied me or they asked me to uh, resubmit it, I would have to do everything 
online, which could cause some uh, struggles with, I don't know, just who knows, you know, but thankfully I went through and honestly, I think I've been here long enough. I've been through enough of, you know, French bureaucratic rodeos and I've gone through enough stressful stuff with all this that like, I just kind of know, you know how the system works in a way where you know at least where the, the mysteries lie and you, you don't know how it works, but you also know when no news is good news and when they may give you like what seems like a middling or negative answer, but in reality it's a positive answer. And that I feel like is the kind of stuff you can only get from experience, which is also why going through this, I see how like putting this dossier together and getting ready for your interview and whatever else is the last step to see, you know, how are you going to do? Like, are you going to um, integrate well with French society, have you already put in your reps? Do you already understand and know how this works to the, to the point that like, even if it's frustrating, like it doesn't stress you out too much. Um, and it is kind of like that last test to see like, will you crack? Can we crack you? And if you can, do we really want you around is the question I think I'm facing. And right now I feel confident. I mean, there's no guarantee it could fall apart. It could go wrong, uh, somewhere along the line, but this is actually a marked difference as well. And I think my own psychology and how much I've grown in the last like seven years, five, six, I don't know how many years, but I think especially if you've been following me for a long time, which this podcast is, is dedicated to people who have followed me for a long time and keeping you in the loop, then you probably know that like I, I came from really, really hard times before moving back to Paris. They went bankrupt early on uh, in being here as all those hard times followed me here. Um, and then I just kind of was in survival mode for a long time. And even as things picked up and I realized, oh, I, I think I'm going to make it. And, you know, YouTube became the source of, um, you know, my, it was my one and only job more or less. Um, like I still always expected it to fall apart at some point. I really thought that at some point in doing this, like it's not going to work anymore. Like people are going to get sick of me. Um, I'm going to say something stupid and lose my audience or I'm going to just be boring or, you know, like who knows, like the, the worst thing honestly would just be that people become indifferent. Not so much that I make people angry because I'm also, I don't make content to make people angry. Although there are people that get very upset when you let them know that their favorite bakery is not the best bakery in the world. I've been, I've had a couple people try to cancel me for not agreeing with their favorite part of Paris, which is unfortunate because we should be all adults. You would think we can, we can all have different opinions and and share those and not get angry, but not where we live right now. Anyways, I always expected, um, I don't know. I was just waiting for the other foot to fall because I feel like in every other time of my life, the other foot did always fall. And I wonder how much of that was a self-fulfilling prophecy. But I also have come to a place now where I was telling somebody, actually, I told my dad this and I told, then I told someone else this yesterday. I think it was my neighbor, but I'm just enjoying like walking around feeling if you'll pardon my French, like hot shit right now, because I'm not like, I'm not, but I, everything's going fairly well. Like I came out of another rough patch the last couple of months, you know, like of changing strategy of deciding to do only Paris content on YouTube for this year, because, um, partially because like, I'm, I'm pretty tired of, of mining my life for content. And partially because like, I recognize that like, there's a real opportunity there. If I lean into the Paris content that I've never fully engaged with, we've talked about that before, but in changing that strategy in bringing Emily on in like 
you know, finding Jeff and working on getting the app up and running in so many things that are moving along, you build like a strategy and you, you, you build a team and you kind of like set course and then you don't know if it's going to work or not. And there's also, I mean, the extra monetary burden, especially of, of hiring people, um, where I had some reserves finally after some ups and downs last year. And I put those reserves towards paying for the strategy for believing in it. And things got kind of dire there for a minute. They got a little low. I was getting a little worried. I was also a little bit tired and I was, I was actually worried about myself. Like I was worried if I was going to be able to show up and actually get this done because I was really struggling just to make any videos. I was having a hard time filming. I was having a hard time getting out there just like a lack of motivation, a lack of energy. But the cool thing is that once I really got into this Paris content and focused and cut out like the road to citizenship that we were going to do and uh, you know, all the vlogs that I was thinking about doing and just all the extra burdens that I, I was putting on myself. Um, I got, I started getting really excited and having a lot of fun and I've been having a lot of fun making the videos that I've been making. And it, that, that was really, I mean, really good because it's like, okay, wow. Okay. I'm into this. I'm looking forward to making more videos. I'm looking forward to keeping this going. Um, but then to see them do well and to see the results, to see, you know, um, the guide selling better and to see, I don't know, just everything kind of starting to pay off, um, is great and is very encouraging. And I think in the past, in this situation, I would have then immediately been like, well, what's going to take this away from me? Like what is going to come in and like, is the French government going to demand tens of thousands of euros again out of nowhere or is, you know, YouTube going to go away. Who knows? You know, I just like the thoughts come in and they they used to, but this time they didn't. And like, I was actually just feeling good and like enjoying it and like, wow, okay. I'm, I'm kind of hitting a stride. I'm enjoying this. Everybody on the team seems to be doing well and is happy. Um, the, you know, viewership seems to be good. People seem to be happy with the videos, having fun. I don't know. It just like, seems like everything's going well. And I decided I'm going to enjoy it because there will always be downtimes. There will always be things that swing away from you. And there's a chance that there is another boot out there somewhere that's waiting to drop. But at the same time, I can't stop that. I can't, I can't affect that. Worrying is not going to help. Thinking about it and freaking out is not going to help. So instead of worrying and freaking out, why don't I just enjoy this? You know, why don't I, why don't I just enjoy this moment where things are going well and I'm having fun. I look forward to making videos again. I'm, I'm excited to get out there. I'm enjoying exploring a little bit. I'm enjoying the whole process again. I'm just going to enjoy that. And then, you know, we'll see what happens from there. And that's been really good. It's cool because for one, I think it's just healthier, but for two, I think it's a really good, um, watermark to measure against where in the past, I think I would have, it would have generated some anxiety and I would have been yeah, not even worrying about anything specific. I just would have been fairly certain that things were going to go badly soon. Like, it can't go well forever. Like, I clearly don't deserve this. How is this going to fall apart? And thankfully, I'm not freaking out that way. And that then plays over into things like, um, you know, getting a letter from the police, where in the past, all the immigration stuff used to stress me out so much because... 
I wasn't sure that I deserved to be here. And they told me they didn't think I deserved to be here. And they were really mean to me for a year. And I mean, you could say abusive, like it was really horrible uh, for that first year. As you know, if you've followed my vlog and, uh, and are, are up to date on that whole story, but things have just changed so much and I've grown so much. I, I came here when I got, when I got to France, I was at a very low point in my life. Like I was desperate. Things were bad. It was, I was just in a bad way in, in, in every way, financially, emotionally, just, I was losing my sense of identity. I was desperately just trying to make something happen. Anything happened to keep me afloat. Vlogging was, I enjoyed it, but I only did it because I enjoyed it because nobody was watching. Like I, I'd make a video and maybe get a subscriber for it. I didn't cross a thousand subscribers in the first year of daily vlogging. Like I made hundreds of videos and nobody cared. Um, not nobody, obviously some of you cared and were there for the whole ride. And I appreciate that very much. But you know, I, I was just, I felt, I was just in a bad place and I'm so glad that I ended up here. I'm so glad that I stuck with it. I'm so glad that you watched and followed and then jumped in to Patreon, especially as this goes out to patrons first. And, and it's been a long road and I've embarrassed myself along the way. I've um, shown, I feel like some of the, the worst parts of myself in being here. Um, but I've also learned to have compassion with myself and to, love myself despite that and you know and to embrace that i mean to, to say okay i'm human i'm not good or bad i'm human i didn't i'm not i'm not you know a great person or a bad person or a mediocre person like i'm gonna stop worrying about self-esteem so much and i'm gonna focus more on self-acceptance and man I'm, I'm glad for that so all that to say that like this whole process with the the uh citizenship bid like unlike getting my visa renewed which was much it was much less stressful this time around this most recent time around but before that was insanely stressful part of that's just getting used to the system and knowing that i fit in here well enough and that there's a very small chance they're going to end up ever kicking me out and part of it is that personally i've just grown to that point that i'm just not worried about it like things can go horribly awry and I could lose the future that I hope for the plans that I've made for being here and the life that I've worked so hard to build here. But in the case, in that case, like, I don't know what I would do or where I would go, but that would also open up a new adventure. And I think that I could get on board with that. I think I'd have to grieve, but I also think that, you know, I'll be fine. And that's, that's one of those biggest, one of those biggest life changes has been getting to a place where when things are tough or stressful or touching on, you know, elements of who I used to be or the, the things that have traumatized me in the past, um, it's being able to say, yeah, it, this sucks and I'm not a fan of how I feel, but I'm going to be fine. So that's a good lesson. So anyways, that's that's the citizenship update that the very a very long version of it, but I, I was gonna talk and I can talk a little bit about the app and so forth where we're at. But um the main thing I think was just catching you up on that, and that's exciting. You there won't be really any other updates, probably, until I get my uh, interview date. So that will happen if you're listening to this on the public feed, it will be happening very soon. But if you're listening to this on the, the members only feed, it will definitely be um happening uh, next season of this podcast in the uh, summer at some point, late summer probably. 
So that's that. On the app side, we're um, and I, we talked a little bit about. Uh, I, I made sure to to talk about this in video form because I've been asked a lot about the guide in particular, and then um, obviously a little bit about the app. But we are using the redesign of the guide um, to help us springboard onto the design of the app. And the app itself, when it, when we start out with it, uh, the plan is for it to be a web a web app to start because basically we just want to test it out and make sure that it's an improved experience over the guide. So the price point will be about the same. We have to figure out how the pricing works for that, which will be tricky. Anybody that's bought the guide will send out discounts too, but we also, <clears throat> excuse me, we also need to figure out like what, what are people willing to pay for it and what, 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 what is the proper value of it? I think it's one of the hardest things in, in business, right? In selling any product, it's figuring out the pricing um, and a lot of people have been pushing for a higher price. It's interesting um, in having conversations with people. There are there has been a push for that. And the nice thing is that in the guide, we've done a lot of um, surveys and research on that to see, like, are people happy with it even? Because, you know, I, I see very lovely comments and I uh, receive a lot of notes, obviously, um, in email form and other ways, um, people that are happy with the guide, which is great. But we wanted to see, like, can we actually quantify this and understand, you know, are people actually, you know, really happy with this? And thankfully, the vast majority of people um, are not only very happy with it, but felt that it was very fairly priced, that they got a good deal, um, or that, you know, like it was in that that positive s- string, anywhere from like, yeah, this is a good price to like, oh, this is a great deal, um, which is good. And we had a couple of people that were very unhappy, which we found through that survey, and we were able to reach out to and hopefully make things right, um, whether that was through refunding them because they... Somebody called me a hipster doofus at one point, which is a very funny Seinfeld um, reference. Uh, you never, just never know what's going to come through a survey when you send it out. But the the majority of people were really, really happy with it, which was really encouraging because it's like, okay, well, if they're this happy with a PDF that I know we can improve, both just redesign the PDF to make it nicer, get the recommendations up higher, so you're getting to the recommendations faster. Um, just through the feedback that we saw, like it aligned very well with what I kind of already imagined we needed to change as far as get some more recommendations in here, more restaurants, more wine bars, um, get those recommendations up higher so that people can access them faster. Um, so all the essays that I've written about visiting Paris, most of them will probably move below the recommendations. But then the thing is that that's just the PDF. Like the other problems that people were having as far as navigating and saving stuff and finding what they were looking for will be solved through the web app version. So as we move, the thing is, the tricky thing is we have to, we're creating a different uh, company for that. Not to get too much into how the sausage is being made, which if you're interested in it, I can talk about it at length, but to keep it at a, a bird's eye view for now or the the 10,000 foot view, uh, that's a very high flying bird. But we are going to... Um, Basically the goal, yeah, we're going to start another company and that way I can bring Jeff in in the States and like we're we're in a place where if things go well, we can grow appropriately and we can talk about how like why I'm not doing that in France and why I don't think I'd ever do that in France um, later. But um, the goal would be then to, uh, that's why I'm saying like we got to figure out how the pricing works too because we're going to transition slowly from pushing the guide to pushing the app as we get better at that. And those two revenue streams basically have to be differentiated very clearly because they're two different businesses that will be working together but cannot be overlapping. We can't be sharing accounts and whatnot. So with that in mind, um, 
That's a good point. I actually just thought about something that I'm going to have to make a note of and reach out and ask Jeff about. So I'm, I'll do that. But um, it's it's going to be kind of a rocky road. Like so you may have already seen I, when I we moved the web domains and so forth a couple weeks ago, people were struggling getting to the Paris My Pocket website. There's probably going to be some more technical woes like that as we go. So my my, my apologies if, if and when that happens. Um, and I'll try to talk about this on YouTube a little bit too. But the goal will be then, and I think what will make hopefully people very happy is that when we move to the web app version, you're basically getting the same thing content-wise, but it'll be much more easy to navigate, to save things, um, to link straight out to like Google Maps, to the, the functionality of it will just be much better. So if you're already happy with the PDF, imagine that it's the same but better, right? Like instead of it being all the content you enjoyed in kind of an archaic format. Now it's all the content you enjoy, but in a way that you can navigate more easily and save things and, and just cut out the stuff that where you like you're reading and then you, you have to scroll back to where you were and all of the, you know, the joys of, of dealing with a, a document. So that's where we're going to start. And then from there, we'll assuming that goes well and people are happy with it. Then we'll start adding more features to it and go to a native app um, so that you'll have it offline in your pocket and uh and with the native apps then i say apps just because you have to do you know ios and uh, android but when you have it native and on your phone then you'll be able to do the geolocation side of things um and that opens up a lot of doors and i have some really fun but simple ideas for how to start we just got to test it and see if people enjoy it and how they like it and uh, and go from there so the hope is that we can get to a the plan is I'm, I'm, I'm the most skeptical of my whole team. Everybody keeps being like, what do you mean? Like we're going to do it. And I'm like, yeah, we'll see. But the plan should, the plan is that we will have a uh, closed beta available in the middle of March. So March 15th is when we're hoping to do that. Uh, I, again, I'm obviously the one that's like, well, we will see, but that is the hope. And then we will open that up to some people. We're going to be, Emily's working on uh, devising the way that we actually go about finding and selecting people to do that, to do the, the closed beta. So we'll find some people that will hopefully be helpful in testing it out and breaking it for us and finding ways to improve it just to make sure that it's actually working. Uh, we want to get it out as quickly as we can, but we want it to actually work. If you're going to spend money on it, we want it to work. And then we will open it once we feel like confident that it's ready for another round of uh, input will open that beta. So uh, we haven't fully discussed exactly how we're going to do it, but we're going to open it up to more people um, to use, you know, whether you're planning before you get here or using it on the ground. And yeah, then once we, uh, f again, feel like that is where we need it to be, um, they're just, we're just going to start rolling on adding what we need to add to it and uh, improving it. And we'll never perfect it. It'll never be finished. You know, that's just the way it works. But it'll continue to grow and evolve. And um, and the, I think the cool thing is we'll be discovering what it becomes. Because I have a really clear idea in my head of what I want to build. Um, because I think that I know what will be the most useful but I could be wrong. And so what I think is going to be really interesting and fun is going to be seeing how people actually use it, talking to them about it, and finding the ways that we can work to make your time in Paris better because the main things that we are trying to accomplish, very simple, nothing nothing crazy, is just we want to relieve stress because traveling is stressful and being in a new city is stressful. Even if you know Paris pretty well, coming here can be stressful. It has its little stresses all the time. So how do we relieve that, make your time better, um, and then how do we add 
some joy? How do we add some fun? And that is important, but I think secondary to the stress to start, but I have some ideas for both. And then we'll just see how that goes. Um, and then, you know, questions of like, how do we encourage actual in-person um, crossover? Like if you're traveling and you, you're open to meeting other travelers, how do we uh, help to facilitate that? How do we, how do we reintroduce the human element to this experience? Because I think for me, the two things that I don't want are people staring at their phones and not talking to each other, which is because we live in that universe right now and it's horrible. So travel is a really fun and unique opportunity to help people to look up and actually look around. And so the original version of like the game that I had for the phone, the, or the many iterations of the game that I had for the app, um, were very much geared towards how do I help you to look around and see the city? How do I encourage you to explore on your own more than you might otherwise and look up and actually see what's in front of you and stop looking at your phone. And the other side of that is then how do we get people to meet each other? Like forget social media. Why don't we be social again? So how do we do that? And I've seen some interesting suggestions for that. Uh, Raquel, if she's listening right now, I am sure would be very interested in doing some French language uh, exchanging. Um, And I'm sure that there are ways that we could help to just kind of facilitate. I personally, like I also am open to like, being available to some degree for that. I think there's, um, I think you're aware if you've been following for a long time, some history with like meetups and stuff where there, there's just, there was some unhealth in that. And, and it's, I gotta be careful with that. Um, I'm not really worried about my personal safety, but it was interesting. It was kind of more of like an emotional thing. So we're, we're going to try and figure out how to do that in an appropriate way that like helps to, cause I love meeting like patrons, especially like I've met some wonderful people. I met Jody recently, um, at, uh, Oliver's party, his Christmas party. I met, I've met some really wonderful, like you guys are amazing. Like, and I think that's the, the, the double-edged sword of it is like, okay, how do I manage to make myself available and meet so many wonderful people without, um, overdoing it, which is very easy for me to do because I'm very social for being fairly introverted. I'm actually a very social person. Um, and will just talk until my jaw falls off, but also, um, yeah, just manage, I guess, managing expectations and so forth. Because I get a lot of emails and requests for like tours or people offer to buy me coffee or lunch. And I just have to have a blanketed policy to say no, because I would never have time to actually work. I would never be able to make videos or, you know, help develop the app or manage my team or whatever, or just spend time with my friends and go out and, you know, get drunk with people that I love. So there's uh that there is an element of that but i want to be a part of it too like i want to enjoy the social element of it and i do want to meet people and and i think the cool thing is one of the fun things about tourism um that i lost sight of but has really come back for me and i really am excited about is just how much fun people are here to have you know when you're traveling and you're you're in a city that you you've maybe never seen or that you're falling in love with or that um you've already fallen in love with and you're you're just you're here for vacation you're here to have fun you're here to have a good time um, those are like the best times to meet people. Like it's so much fun. Like I loved being a bike tour guide for that. Cause everybody was just out to have a good time. Um, and so I also want to re-engage with that and be around for that to some degree. I just have to figure out how that works. I don't know how the balance of this works and I don't know how best to be socially available, but also maintain some level of distance that to keep myself safe, but also to keep others safe. And, um, it's just a lot to think through and I'm open to having, uh, I'm open to that being a discussion. Like I would like to figure that out, um, not in a vacuum, but I also don't, I, I think I, especially in burning out and 
being weirded out by the whole like parasocial element to the YouTube side of things, I really withdrew um, from being available at all uh, for a while. And that also is not healthy or great. It's not fun. So finding a good middle ground is, is, is kind of the goal for that. But there's a lot going on and there's a lot of real potential with what we're doing. And there are a lot of people that are trying to do something similar. There's a lot of interesting stuff out there. I'm having a meeting with a guy this week who's, um, you know, building his travel guide app. And um, I need to send an email to another guy who'd reached out. There's a number of companies that have asked me to work with them that I've graciously turned down, but I'm happy to have a discourse with. And hopefully we can keep talking. And um, I don't see this as like a competitive thing personally, because I'm not trying to compete with anybody for large scale markets or the whole travel industry or anything. I'm just trying to create a really useful and powerful tool for the people that already follow me and, and trust me and that want to go where I would go, eat what I would eat, drink what I would drink. And I'm trying to make something that makes for those people makes it impossible to have a bad time in Paris. You know, I want to make something that just makes it so easy where you're just like, I can go to Paris without any planning because I know I'm going to get there and like I have all everything. Well, you got to do some planning, obviously. Don't show up without uh, booking a hotel or anything. But you know what I mean? Like I, I want people to feel so confident that they just roll up and are like, yeah, I'm going to explore. And at any point that I get stuck, I'll just look at this app and I'll be like, oh yeah, I'll go there. I'll, I'll have a drink there or I'll, um, yeah, I'll book that tour and I'll have a great time. And uh, I think if we can accomplish that, if we can make you happy, if you're listening to this podcast, you're exactly who I'm making it for whether you're a patron or a follower on YouTube or whatever, like you're who I'm making this for. I'm not making this for a huge group of people that I'm, I don't know in all over the world, like the millions of people that come to Paris. They, they can come, they can do the Emily in Paris thing and they can go to Cafe de Flore and they can do whatever they want. That's fine. Um, but for the people that don't want to do Emily in Paris and don't want to um, spend 10 euros on an espresso and a not so great croissant, um, yeah, I'm happy to help you figure that out. And um and I think that if I can get back into the, I mean, I've never lost my love of the city, but if I can combine my love of this city with my renewed passion for making sure that um, people just have a good time here. I don't know. That, that just seems like it's great. It's not, I struggle. I, I'm going way over time on the, the half an hour monologue here, but that's okay. We'll go to 40 minutes or something like that. So my, I shouldn't have called attention to the time, but now I've done it. So it's a sin and it has been committed. Um, I Sometimes I struggle with like the idea of leading a meaningful life. And I saw a really interesting quote um, where there was this guy, an old guy. I don't even know who he was. He was on a podcast, but he looked very wise. He was very old. And uh, I don't know how old he was, but he was saying that life doesn't have an intrinsic meaning. And that's not to say that life is meaningless, but it is to say that it is on you to figure out what your life's meaning is. What is the meaning of your life? And that's both a big and scary thing, but also a powerful thing. And for me, I struggle sometimes because like I always wanted to make movies and tell these fantasy and science fiction stories that I have in my head and also do everything. Like I I, I wanted to do too much. I wanted to go too far and, and you know, be a superstar of some sort. I don't, you know, and so sometimes I struggle. Like last night I was looking at not, not really just in my brain. I was thinking about all these people, my age or younger or, um, that at my age or that, uh, or just in general that were succeeding and really having a huge impact in whatever their field was. Um, and how I undervalue anything that I actually do. And part of that is like my struggle with, 
engaging with tourism in the past has been not feeling like it's all that meaningful. And I've come to realize that it's not curing cancer. And I'm not going to tell you that it's the most meaningful thing in the world. But I've found that in the response that people have had to the stuff that I've made and the trips that people have been able to have improved by the information that I've been able to give them, to see the impact that that's had and how so many people hold on to that and remember that and will still thank me years later. There's a real power in that. There's something that is genuinely impactful. And for me, like I, I don't know that I ever would have thought that, I mean, I didn't move to Paris to do tourism at all. I, I moved here just because I wanted to live here. And when I got here, I thought I was going to be teaching English and that did not work out. So I ended up becoming a tour guide. You know, a lot of this um, is completely out of my hands and out of my control which is also kind of scary. But I've been given this really cool opportunity to have an impact on hundreds, if not thousands of lives, um, obviously thousands of lives and maybe more. And it's finally breaking through to me that that is something that is very, very worth my time and my energy. And I'm starting to allow myself to really take something from that, to get some really good energy out of it and to engage with it in a way that I wasn't really able to before. And that's what's making me really excited. That's what's giving me the energy to go out and make these videos to wrangle my team and to be wrangled by them, to organize everything that goes into the app. And there's a mountain of work ahead of me, but I'm actually really excited for it. And I feel like we're getting, we're getting, I have my check, I have a, I have a to-do list over here that's been daunting um, for the last few months because they're really big projects that have been really overwhelming and the kinds of projects that you don't see progress on for a long time, all of a sudden, a lot of those are getting checked off and it feels like the foundations are almost in place for us to start sprinting and just doing lots of stuff. Um, and all that could have only been enabled by focusing and that focus has only been enabled by embracing the idea that I can actually have a really positive impact on people's lives by leaning into this, by engaging with the tourism in Paris thing which is such a huge shift and change in me. And so I'm excited. So we're trying to, obviously we need to make money to survive and I have to pay people's salaries and um, hopefully be able to pay for Jeff to go full time. And, you know, there's, there, there are obligations there. Um, so definitely need to make money. But I was talking with Emily and, and Kate yesterday and just said, I would still like to try engage this in terms of like our success isn't, money, it's not sales, it's not um, those numbers. I want to try and figure out how do we gauge the stress reduced? How do we gauge, and how do we gauge people's happiness? Like how do we say we made X number of people happier when they came to Paris than they would have been without us? How do we, it's, it's going to be really hard to actually figure that out, but we're, we're talking about it. But like how do we think about it in those terms? Because if you think about it in those terms, then you start to think like, oh, well, if we do this, we might make them even happier. And it's no, it, it's no longer a question about like, well, but if we do this, like we'll make more money. It's like, I, th I really believe that if we have a deep and lasting impact on people, like the money will come. And that, that's not, that's also a big change in mentality for me. Um, I don't think we should be thinking about it in those terms. I think we should really be thinking in terms of how do we look at the people coming to Paris understand their experience as well as we possibly can, understand the points that are painful, stressful, 
uh, or the things, the areas that are lacking where they could have a better time, they could have more fun if they just knew this or if they just met so-and-so or whatever. How do we think through in those terms so that as our offering, the product that we're producing, as, as it improves, as it gets better, so too in tandem do the experiences of all the people that are using it and they're having just a great time. And if we can do that, like if we can create just the best time possible for the, you know, hundreds of thousands of people, hundreds, even hundreds of thousands of people, if we're lucky, um, I think we'll, it'll be successful. It'll be, I mean, like if we can just improve, seeing how people are already happy with my guide, the vast majority are very happy with it, which is a really big encouragement. I really think we're already on the right path and it's like, okay, well, how do we make this better? How do we make it easier for them to use? How do we make them happier with it and with their time here in Paris? And that is how I want to define success. So there you go. There's the the garage monologue. It was quite, quite a monologue today from citizenship bid progress to app progress. And uh, I'm sure we'll circle back to a lot of this stuff as we go. Um, yeah thanks for listening hope you're having a great day wherever it is you are and i will talk to you again very soon in two weeks here on the members only feed in one week on the public feed past jay will be talking to you and um yeah lots of fun videos to come lots of great stuff i just i'm still a little bit like about it but uh overall i'm just i'm very excited for the opportunity to take some risks and to to just jump out there and see where we land so thank you for coming along for the ride really really appreciate it from Cooper to me. I mean, from Cooper and I to you. He's sleeping in my lap. Look how sleepy he is. Oh, why did you wake up? <laughs> See you later.